0: First question, that's everyone: Is when did you know that uh, music was going to be a part of your life?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I had been playing trombone since middle school and had listened to it for a lot. And I, I really think though that it wasn't until uh, college. I had I had been studying video there, and I had like started a you know, just a little fun band. I played mostly house shows in town and it wasn't until I kind of started doing that a bit more and kind of realized that it felt right. And it's that weird thing to be like, yeah, you know, you play in band, you listen to music. But I think that that's when I kind of realized like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool. Like I, I don't want to not do this.
0: Oh, yeah, when you were in uh, that college band, like were you just doing covers Are you trying to write original music?
1: It was it was all mostly original music. I mean, we had a handful of covers we did, but that was um it was kind of a, you know, it was punk adjacent is always the best way to describe how that was. We did a lot of punk songs, we did some ska songs, we did uh, just whatever came to our heads. We had a pretty gnarly uh, cover of TikTok by Kesha.
0: Oh, nice! That was the.
1: That was, it was that time period, you know. It was a relevant song.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, man, that that does it, you know, get people to listen. Did you have any music up or put any music out?
1: With that band, we never put any music out. We, uh, it was just a, just a fun project we did as friends together. It wasn't until later that I started actually recording the stuff that I did.
0: Yeah. Uh, And you recorded it yourself?
1: Yeah, so I... Because after that, I had kind of lived a couple places across the country, and then I wound up finally getting married to my wife, Rosie, who plays in both the bands with me. Um, And I started kind of writing and recording music with her just for fun, and we had a handful of projects that we just really enjoyed experimenting with. So that's when I started doing that. And that's, that's a pain. It's, it's a pain to get something sounding good by yourself. I mean, we all have the technology now, which is so crazy. It's like, you know, you're obviously in your little room right there with a decent podcast, mic, And, you know, I'm sure you can just plug in and record something real quick. And that's, it is crazy. We can all do that now.
0: Yeah, man. I, it, it's so wild just how far it's come. Like, I, I mean, it's super helpful during the pandemic where, you know, you can just kind of get ideas down or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But that's really cool. Um, So when you were writing that music, like where I guess was the goal just to perform or was it you just writing for yourself?
1: So the stuff when I started with Rosie, that was all... It was mostly for myself. I mean, I put it online. I never really pushed it. I just wanted to make it and release it and do it. I trying to convince, you know, four to five people to join you is a real challenge. And uh, when I initially had moved, I moved to where Rosie used to live in New Mexico. It's a town called uh, Gallup and it's not, biggest place i mean there's a really big res scene out there because the reservations uh navajo and zuni are right kind of landlocking it uh but i just didn't know anyone in the area we only lived there for a year or so and then we moved out to austin and that's actually i went to school with hans back in college and so when we started hans gruber it was because we knew each other and he had mentioned, I guess he had a band that he had back in college that they had all moved together to Austin and they're called bear soup sucker punch. And they wound up. I don't think they ever like officially just called it quits. It just one of those natural things that you start playing less and less. And uh, I'm really good friends with all the members of that band, but I think they all just, you know, went on the different stages of their life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so When you moved to Austin um, or when you joined with Hans, did you already know how to play bass or was it just like, how did that come about?
1: Yeah. So I, I had been playing bass on or off since high school. So I, you know, I fiddled around with it. I understood it. I kind of, that first band I played in college, I played bass in that. I wouldn't say I was ever fantastic, but, but it was definitely, I picked up bass because no one needed a trombone uh at least at the time uh, which is actually remarkably funny when uh, moving to texas because everyone wants a horn in texas uh, you i didn't realize like yeah you got a big not just blues scene but even the spanish music scene it's mm-hmm. like the second you can play trombone i remember getting asked by a handful of like various cumbia or salsa or just like even like the you know, Natanios or Tejano's where they're like, Oh sweet. You play a horn. Can you help? And it's like, (laughs) I have some friends that I would occasionally dig with them, but I was never great at it, but (laughs) it is funny to go from no one wanted a trombone to everyone wants one, which is, you know, it's nice. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Plus Austin, like there's, tons of bands tons of diversity so that's cool um did you ever like jam with any like or like the groups
1: so, uh it's just on or off and usually it was just with friends i never actually went up and gigged with those types of groups mm-hmm. but i would uh like actually one of my good friends in town he um he's oh i think 65 now and he's just this Master musician, yeah. and what would always happen is I'd always wind up at his house, and he'd get upset if I didn't bring my trombone. So I'd always have to bring my trombone. Rosie brought her sax. And one thing he taught us to do that has got me a lot more comfortable is that he would just expect us to play. It was like you don't have to know the music, but you have to play along. And it was a real fun experience because his house the only way to describe it is every single corner there's like instruments popping out or you're pulling them out from under the woodworks and so you'd be at his house at a party and next thing you know every person in the room has an instrument and they're all playing and singing along at various levels of talent but it's the magical thing i don't know it was
0: yeah hell yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um, so like whenever um you're taking on and this is for trombone or bass or anything like whenever you're trying to learn new music or a new style like What's your kind of practice, like, mentality?
1: Well, I, let's see here, when when I'm doing bass, because I think that's the one where I need to focus the hardest to do something, it, it always starts with just listening and getting the feel of the music, the groove of the music, and understanding what the rhythm's like because especially for bass you're you and the drums are kind of that you're the backbone you're the rhythm and you're getting it going and so it's so much more important to understand for me what are the big beats i need to hit on the bass before even understanding okay what's the what's the chord progression what's this because like you know with bass I would go as far to argue that like you can be hitting the root note, but if you're hitting the rhythm, right, you're going to sound good, but like you can be moving all around, but if you're not hitting the rhythm, you're, you're actually not playing the bass, right. You know, sometimes less is more when you're doing bass because you need to carry and lift everything.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you with that. Um yeah. super important to play like, what the song calls for, I guess it can be flashy yeah. and stuff, but you know, if it's not, if it doesn't have that groove or whatever, it's just like, why, what's the point? What's the point of it? Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> what, uh, so what's your mindset, um, when you're writing music for Hans?
1: So for Hans Gruber, it's, I like to, I like to experiment. And so I, Give or take the album, I've written probably about half to 60% of the songs. And I always try to approach of what's interesting me right now, or what would be an interesting combination of musical styles, or even like what's something that we haven't done. Cause I guess that I You have bands that are really good at one specific style and that's what they do. And that's a great and fun thing. Uh, But I like to have an album I'm listening to and I don't know what I'm expecting next. And every song has a very unique feel. It's, It's always difficult to listen to a new album and you stylistically love it, but you realize that you can't distinguish one song from the next. And I think that, unfortunately, I mean, it's a trap that I can fall into myself in writing songs and always struggling to make sure, okay, I don't wanna make sure that this sounds like the thing I just wrote.
0: Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's uh an awesome mentality and i mean hearing hans gruber and seeing y'all play live like i think that y'all are really good at not sounding the same like every song like you have yeah. that down it, it's your live show is amazing like is there any um like band or anything that you saw that like influenced you to put on like a wild show
1: so i think the two bands that i saw and i saw both of these when i was in College. It was a band called The Taxpayers. Mm-hmm. They were from the Oregon area, and I had been listening for a while. They kind of did a weird jazz punk mix. And that was one of the first, like, just dirty... It was in a... It had to have been, like, at one point in time, a convenience store, but, like, it was all torn out and all emptied, and that's where they set up, and that's where they played, and it was they put on this wild performance and the lead singer, Rob, he just, he just got the crowd to engage. I think that he, I'm not positive, but I want to say he taught like kindergarten or something. And so the way he interacted with the crowd sometimes felt like he, how he would interact with the kids of his class. Cause like, he, um, he'd get you to do goofy things. It's like, okay, everyone, we're going to be in a bobsled and everyone line up in sets of four and like, you know, and sure you're doing stuff. And like, it was such a great way to interact with a crowd to put a performance on. So it's not just that you're making good music, but you're making this good experience for people. And I think the same thing would be with bomb the music industry, which is uh Jeff Rosenstocks. Well, not his first project, but the project before he went solo and uh, it's really, yeah, he captured this, very DIY fun aesthetic that just was so welcoming and so unique. And those are the two, I think, shows I I watched that was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to do something like this. I want to be, cool like that you know i think that's the best way to say it is they're like you know oh these guys are cool i want to be cool like that and it's because they they didn't really care it what they looked like they cared that they were putting on a good show but something about that mentality and attitude and the confidence just rubbed off and you could feel it
0: yeah i'm i actually it's interesting you bring up diy because when i think of like y'all and even los curados like i think of diy with the music videos like the promotion that y'all do um mm-hmm. so you can definitely see the influence like how how do you guys go about um either band like doing your music videos or the idea so
1: i actually do almost all the music videos for both bands i do the the shooting and editing and it's what will usually happen is i've come up with most ideas there's been a couple that the other band members have but it's you gotta round everyone up and just try to get everything shot within a few hours and i sometimes i have a loose idea like for example when i did ray curado i knew i wanted to have Chetos be you know king curado mm-hmm. uh and just have this vague loose concept of what's going on you want the band to be playing i think it's important to have a very rhythmic aspect to what's happening i am personally not a huge fan of story music videos where there's not really doing anything to the beat it's like no all you're doing is you know acting in front of a music bed like a music video to me should be rhythmic it should be some sort of action some sort of you know, feel what the music is. Actually, to be fair, I think that hip hop usually has some of the best just music video material because the beat is so important and rhythmic and going. And so almost any time you're watching a really good hip hop music video, it is just solid and there. Uh, actually, Rihanna always does a really good job, of all people. Her and uh, Nicki Minaj recently, like they've actually really killed it with any music video they did. And so it's actually... It's real funny because I don't always, well, actually quite a bit of their songs I do like, but it's not all of my cup of tea. But they, in particular, I think are ones I think of right now that are always releasing things that are just interesting and fascinating. And uh, obviously I can't make a video like that, but that's kind of the mindset. And when you go DIY, it's just show up on location and just hope that, none of the police show up and tell you you need a release. So you just, <laughs> you just go. Um, actually, I have a new music video coming out for Hans Gruber in the next few weeks. Hopefully that was for, uh, the, the song we just released on the split with Sergeant Skag. It's called um uh, you're being watched is a song and it's a song about, um, this guy who's convinced that the cockroaches and insects are monitoring him. So he thinks that they're all cameras. Uh, But we actually shot that completely inside the house. We, um, I had to use some interesting techniques to put it together. We did use a little bit of models in it. And so you'll see it when it happens. But one of the cool techniques I had to do was uh, run the video through an RF adapter to get into a TV screen. I had to use rabbit ears to actually get it. And so (laughs) I actually transmitted a signal to get it because I wanted the TV aesthetic and I didn't want to just add a filter on because you want to get the real thing. You got to do it. And so (laughs) anyways, it's (laughs) a lot of fun. I, I, it's fun to put those videos together. It's, it's a lot of work. That's, I would say putting a music video together is when you're dealing with, like for those Carrados, seven members getting everyone to have a schedule where we can get, you know, five or six hours <laughs> off. And sometimes the members aren't going to be on screen the whole time. And so people are like, why am I here? And it's like, I need you in like 10 minutes, please. <laughs> it can be hard, but it's fun
0: yeah uh so how do you even get into that like into um i mean just in general like you're pretty creative like writing doing videos recording even like how just what like influences you or what's your like drive to just be so creative
1: it's i don't know it's just in my blood i guess i don't i don't know what to say because i i just i have this need to express my way of hearing or seeing things and people who know me know that i can be fairly opinionated but yet i still have a very large breadth of music i listen to and so it's the idea of no one's quite putting together the vision that I have in my head. So I have to do it myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so is there like a goal, do you have like a, a goal, like to be like signed or to like tour or like, or are you just happy just doing what you're doing?
1: Um, you know, I, because Hans Gruber's done a lot of touring, and I really like it. I love being on tour. I love being in the van. I I love crashing at random strangers' houses. You get to meet a, just an interesting variety of people, and that's kind of something I want to continue doing at least for now, for the foreseeable future. Um, I would love to get more touring with Los Carrados as well. Uh, the, a lot of the guys have families, though. They have wife and kids, and so it's a little tougher for them to get around. But I know that they've all been at least interested in trying to get out a bit more if we could. Uh, we've been offered some shows up in Chicago for Los Carrados and it's just never quite worked out. It's hard to it's hard to logistically when people have to be back at work on Monday you know, to get seven mm-hmm. plane tickets up there and back, so... Hopefully yeah. we can get them out there. I think we will.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Young C, we have seven members now, and it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> it's it's always crazy to get like a practice together. Yeah. Sh- and even shows like some days we'll we'll play like at Flamingo, and we'll get off at like ten and play at eleven thirty or twelve, and just have to make the the trip. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so, what what's Hans Gruber been doing during this, uh, like, the pandemic?
1: So, we actually um, last year we recorded uh, twenty songs for a new album, and so it's uh, all the songs are recorded. We're waiting to get the first draft of the mixes back. I think it should be sometime in the next few weeks, um, and we're hoping to release that hopefully later this year i mean as you know that can uh, that whole process can be a nightmare in itself because you know trying to get it on vinyl you're like okay well you're looking for you know six plus months just to get those back and uh that's the biggest thing we did um obviously we released the seven inch uh last friday so the fifth of march And that was one thing we had in the works for a while. And that was a lot of fun. Sergeant Scagnetti is the band that was also on there with us. And they, they've been around since the nineties on or off. And Chris has known them since he was actually in high school. So it was really interesting to be able to, for him play with this, you know, put on a record with his band that he played with in high school. So it's like, cool. Like, you know, we, you know, made it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all interesting. Um, I think that's the big things. Uh, you know, Lord willing, uh, we should be playing, I think, Fest out in November. Uh, and we're kind of waiting to hear back on one or two other festivals to see what is still happening or not happening. Cause we had we were on last year we were supposed to play three different festivals and mm-hmm they all three got canceled. So mm-hmm. we're waiting to see which ones are saying we're doing it again this year, or yeah, we got to push off another year.
0: Right. Well, um? So do you have any advice for like bands that are trying to get into festivals? Like how, what, what do y'all do? Or how do you get into like festivals or booking bigger shows?
1: I mean, when you're doing festivals, it's just, you got to find the right person to email and, gotta get lucky is that's how it always seems and i mean if you have a good connection a good friendship or if you have any friends who are in bands who are in there they they can usually point you to the right person and at least put a good word in for you uh i'm not you know i think chris was the one who initially got us booked on to fest but from what i remember i think it's more or less that we had toured with a couple of bands that had played Fest in the past, so we were able to at least be introduced as a person because we knew these bands. Um, And then after you start getting on one of them, it's actually a lot easier to get on the rest because a lot of people will go to multiple festivals. Or um, I know Guillaume up at Pooza had saw us at Fest, and so originally we were going to be playing Pooza last year. And we got on essentially because he saw us. And that's, I mean, we then emailed him and did that when you're getting bigger shows, that's just in Texas, it just feels like a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, you got, you know, depending on the size of the band coming through, a lot of them don't want local openers, at least in Austin. Uh, and the ones that do, we have a good connection and friendship with uh, Angela for Los Corrados. And so a lot of times you'll have certain Latin groups come through that, you know, are from Central South America and play ska or reggae. And we're kind of one of the few bands directly in town that play the style. And so we get handed a couple of those. Uh, and it's, you know, <laughs> you just got to ask. You got to ask, got a big and you got to show up, you know, not just show up to the gigs, but show up like put on a show <laughs> yeah impress people yeah
0: hell yeah fest like i feel like fest is a really great fest for like ska bands i see a lot of ska bands like newer ska bands posting like do you have oh, a? Yeah. you have any like new favorites like for i've seen like fourth wave or new tone or whatever you want to call it
1: yeah um you know cause i've I mean, we've actually played with a lot of them, uh, in terms of the ones kind of up and coming, uh, you know, the stuff that I think is gray matter out of Michigan. I thought they were doing something really interesting with what they're putting together for a ska. Um, cat Bite had a really good kind of traditional two-tone sound for what they did. And the lead singer, she does a great job. I think she has an interesting voice. Um, trying to think the other ones around i mean for us we have a lot of the bands that we're really good friends with like the big news out of oklahoma city and uh as well as a la chapuza down in el paso they're kind of all doing a good sound i mean for me personally i like that, that la chapuza or the south the south central ska sound some of that mexican ska sound where it's just that something about the drive and insanity and uh depending on the band the slightly out of tune horns just putting together mm-hmm. that one horn line and it's and it's an aesthetic that like depending on the day it'll drive you crazy but then sometimes you're listening to that sound and i say the south central sound i don't know if you're familiar with the south la the backyard scene you've you've probably heard the bands like i think it's a is it ocho calacas kind of does it and uh Oh, what are so many other big ones that have kind of been doing it? Uh, well, for us, there's a band called uh, Natural Disaster Ska Corps out of <laughs> uh, Juarez. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about, like, it's like these screams or these pig squeals or these yells mixed in with the, just a very flat, and the horns just slightly out of tune with each other. Well, live at least. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's funny that it's you can't put your finger on why it's appealing to not have it perfectly right, but it just puts a charm. And that's that scene has actually been going on for you know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's to me, I'm starting to see some of those new bands come out that sound like that, and I'm beginning to get used to that scene, and I think that that Spanish scene hasn't been tapped into in the United States. And that's what I'm most excited about is when I hear those, when I play with those bands as a like, man, this is something, at least for a United States audience, like myself, I hadn't heard before and I get excited about. And I think that as much as I do like a lot of the stuff that the bad time records is putting out, there is an appeal to some of that, uh, the Mexican and kind of Southwestern U S sound that has, uh, hasn't been tapped into yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that first band, I, I don't know how to say their name, but I, you, I probably heard them from maybe something you posted or, but, uh, yeah. real like hardcore. I think it sounds good. Cause it's real like punk and it's just like, yeah, they don't care. Kind of just like, just gonna play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty wild. Did you ever hear that band, uh, Folly?
1: Oh, I fucking love Folly. <laughs> Man, actually, Best of the Worst new album that came out recently, it reminded me of Folly a lot, and, and in a good way. I think it did a great job kind of doing that, with that, that kind of metalcore mixed with ska. And, uh, yeah, because Folly had, a, I think it was Don't Shoot the Piano Player, like start to that, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> and just like this super <laughs> dissonant and just those breakdowns you'll just murder someone to yeah. uh yeah then busting that ska it was I'm glad you mentioned folly a lot of people <laughs> cuz they they were around for a long time I think up in the northeast but mm-hmm. just didn't seem like they made a huge impact on the scene which is too bad cuz they were yeah. doing that yeah that, that metalcore or hardcore mixed with ska thing just <laughs> that insanity
0: yeah, I think uh, that blew my mind the first time I heard that song. Just breaking <laughs> into the sky, uh, yeah, wild and wild. Um, cool, man. Well, I just thank you for talking to. It. It's it's been yeah. awesome. Um, I guess before we go, we'll just do a little gear. What what are you playing right now?
1: So my uh, bass, I have, I've had for. 10 plus years. It's a epiphone viola, which is kind of that Paul McCartney ripoff. And I, it, it's not that it has the best sound. It's not that it has the worst sound, but it's the most comfortable to put your hand around. Like I can just move my hand. <laughs> no problems when I play it. Um, when I go in the studio, I'm usually just kind of using whatever's going to sound best, but there's something about having that thing on stage and because it looks kind of silly, it's kind of goofy looking and no one's expecting, you know, some fucking hardcore rhythms right. out of someone up here like this. Uh, and I actually have a, it's a Trace Elliott stack I use that's a, I bought, I want to say I paid like $200 for it. Damn. And it was some guy out of uh, San Marcos, I guess went to college there, was selling it to get rid of it. There was one small thing I had to fix, and it it puts out some power. It's loud, and it's there's something about it that just God. It weighs a fucking ton. <laughs> that part sucks. That's yeah. not fun on tour. It's not fun to drag that around. But uh, yeah, oh, my yeah. trombone's just uh just a pea shooter with an old ambassador. I don't know. Nice. I'm I'm not a I'm not a big gearhead. I think a lot of people they they are always searching for that perfect gear. I've I just kind of search for what works and what feels right. You know, obviously I don't want a bad sound, but like <laughs> I've never been that just perfecting thousands of dollars on gear to get the right thing especially because half the time you wind up to a club and it doesn't matter what you have anyways, (laughs) it's going to sound like shit going through their, like, you know, whatever (laughs) broken PA system they have. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I agree with you too. Like you, you can make, you make anything sound good. Like it's really up to you. You know, If, if you play good, then it doesn't matter what you're playing out of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I recommend a Fender Rumble. I switched yeah. to that, it's 35 pounds and it's loud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you're ever looking to get new equipment, it sounds good mm-hmm. and uh, you can like carry it just with your pinky if you want. Maybe not your pinky.
1: Oh, good, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Especially, especially for tours, I'll probably be good to get something like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Do again, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I'm glad to have you. I hope we can jam soon. Pl- play I hope some so. Show, something. But um, yeah, just thank you. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you later.
1: All right. Take care, man. Later.